0: The lifestyle of these stories for Narcos Mexico, it's an interesting take on them in the sense that, yeah, these people go through a lot of hardship before they even choose to go into these organizations. But then once they go into the organization, it's a lot of fear. There's there's a lot of... There's a lot of danger all the time there. I mean,
1: every single day they could be killed. You've just been listening to my interview there with the fabulous Mexican-born actor Alberto Zeni, who made his way to the small screen in the second season of Netflix crime drama, Narcos Mexico, he was giving me a good wee dose of reality when describing the real-life world of drug bandits depicted in this fast-paced Netflix drama. And since much, if not most, of the world is in some kind of quarantine, staying at home, keeping a social distance during the terrible coronavirus pandemic, Narcos Mexico Season 2, ...might be on your binge-watching list. It's grand to welcome you. I'm your host, John Aiden Byrne.
2: Welcome to Life on Planet Earth with John Aiden Byrne.
1: Well, it's sure nice to be back and we hope you are coping and getting through this awful coronavirus pandemic worldwide... And before we pick up my interview with the actor Alberto Cini and the incredible role in the Netflix crime drama Narcos Mexico season two, let me say we are all doing well here and safe as we record close to the epicenter of the coronavirus in the United States. And that, of course, would be New York City and the New Jersey region. It is an indescribable scene. Empty streets. There's now a field hospital in Central Park and other similar structures in public places. It's all surreal and full of irony. Much sadness and yet much hope and prayers. As the silent streets remind us that spring is finally in the air. We will return to the coronavirus in the coming weeks as we get back to the podcast saddle here after a stint of travel and story assignments elsewhere. We're gradually adding and developing our YouTube offerings uh, for Life on Planet Earth. Uh, So subscribe and also download the episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and other platforms. Like us on Facebook, Hope on Earth. A wee bit more about Alberto Seni. Not only was he an amazing actor to interview, but he is also one of the most rounded actors I've met in a long time. While not busy at his other enterprising pursuits, he also actively supports the homeless community and works with the non profit Homeward LA in Los Angeles, which puts on theatrical productions that showcase the real-life experiences of people who have become homeless. Alberto seni says, life is beautiful. We agree. I'm your host, John Aiden Byrne. Uh,
0: Home LA is an organization that what they do is exactly what you just said. We put up shows and they're based on people that actually lived on the streets and then, that now are not living on the streets. And they tell the stories of who they are and, and how they lived through that. And the whole point of, of what we're doing is, is to show that the people that live on the streets are human beings and they either made uh, wrong financial decisions or they just had a, a very particular life situation that just propelled them to go into that lifestyle.
1: Here's a wee clip from a recent episode of Narcos Mexico Season 2, courtesy of the nice folks over there at Netflix. Now, it's a long story, but there is, in theory, quite a few more seasons than two. But all you need to know that this is officially Season 2, and it's thrilling. This clip has some strong language, so if you have young children, caution is strongly advised. And then we'll pick up my full interview with actor Alberto Ceni, who has a very big role in Narcos, Mexico, season two, which is now streaming on Netflix. you have
0: been on you for weeks, Don. We know what you are. We know what you did. So I'm not going to ask you this twice.
3: Unless you want me to blow the back of your skull over that wall over there.
1: Give me a name. Dime su nombre. Uh.
2: A voyage of discovery in an uncommon age of unparalleled scientific, economic, political, and social upheaval. Life on planet Earth searches for the unvarnished truth, answers, solutions, and above all, hope for our existential crisis. Uh,
0: well, thank you very much for having me, John. It's great to be on your blog. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the show is Narcos Mexico season two, which means we have a prior season um, of Narcos Mexico in story of the upbringing of what the drug dealing cartels are about today and and how they started back in the 80s and the, the people involved, the governments involved, the, the whole situation of how it developed throughout the years and how these all of these people started creating their, their massive fortunes and how they interacted with each other and you know, it's, uh, it's very engaging, it's very active, it's, uh, it's a little intense. There's uh, obviously a history of violence in, in regards to drug dealing and drug trading. And uh, what I play in the show, is, my name is Amat Palacios, which is a former Mexican policeman that had a very close relationship with the United States because of his family. And he has a, a friendship with the leader of the DEA rogue team that infiltrates Mexico in order to to get a little bit of revenge and find out what really happened to Kiki Camarena, which is murder in the prior season, and was the uh, Michael Peña's character in season in season one. And so I come with the team and uh, I help them infiltrate the Mexican territory and I help them. Obviously, because I speak Spanish, I talk to all of these people that are that have uh, special information about how or what we want, what we need in order to achieve our goal. All of this is based on, a, on an agreement that Scoot McNary's character, Walt Breslin, which is the leader of DEA, and myself have, which is if I help them do all of these things, then my brother is going to be released from prison in the United States and I uh, basically get to reunite with my family. So my, my character is very interesting because he's doing all of this for family. But at the same time, there's there's certain appeal to going through the process of infiltrating criminal organizations and, and having deals with the Americans and basically doing what he knows to do, which is live in the streets. You know, He's, uh, he's street smart. He's very dedicated. He's one of those people that don't give away too much information right from the bat. He's cautious and he's been around and uh, he he's trying to cover his back as much as everybody else is in the team. So he's a very complex, interesting character. Uh, we have 10 episodes, 10 episodes for season two. It should be, it's a Netflix original, so it should be available in any of the
3: countries. Europe and, and all South those. And
0: home. Yeah, it should be all, all up and don't actually have to wait a week per episode get the entire season right up front you can binge watch it if you want just sit down and watch 10 hours of amazing content or you can space it out however you want so right now the entire season should be all over the world
3: Read where the Narcos series was, is originally about the rise and fall of the Colombian drug lord, Pablo Escobar. Could you guide us on that? Well, that was the story of the
0: first three seasons of Narcos. Now, we move to the story in Mexico. All of these things happen at the same time, history-wise. Everything was set in the early 80s to, to the late 90s. Or, well, you know, in Mexico it's current right now. But... It all started at the same time. So the first three seasons, which is Narcos, it was all about the, uh, the Pablo Escobar story and the Medellin cartel. And then they moved to Mexico, which is where we are right now, in the first season and second season, which is where I'm in. And it talks about how this uh, iconic character within the drug trade, whose name is Miguel Angel Felix Gallardo, uh, who is played by Diego Luna, Of these organizations, that brought them together to work together and collaborate. Every the story in the Mexican territory was more about um, what they call it was the plaza system, which was a,
2: each group had a different territory, and within that territory they ruled,
0: and nobody could go into that territory unless they wanted war. So this man, Felix Gallardo, brought them all together to create a huge organization that was actually. The entire drug trade that was happening and passing through Mexico. So it's a very interesting, complex story in that sense because this guy had the idea, the vision of creating something that was unbreakable. Because he also had ties with the government, and he was he was uh, in, in connection with the Colombians, but like he was in connection with the United States. So he was he was doing all these things at the same time. He was very business savvy if you will. But obviously, in these kind of endeavors, people are gritty. People weren't born. People want uh, to get other people out of the way because they want to get their territory and their piece of the pie. So eventually, all of this starts falling apart and things change, you know, situations move.
3: Now what's your take on the lifestyle and culture depicted in this sensational Netflix crime drama?
0: Well. human beings have an affinity for these kind of stories, otherwise we wouldn't have so many stories retold about past wars or the like the Italian mafia or the uh, the Roman conquests and and all of these things. There's an affinity to that. The lifestyle per se of these stories for narcos Mexico, it's an interesting take on them in the sense that, yeah, these people go through hardship before they even choose to go into these organizations, but then once they go into the organization, it's a lot of fear. There's, there's a lot of danger all the time. They're, I mean, every single day they could be killed at any given moment. And uh, yes, they make money, but they they have to spend it quickly in order to, to enjoy it because they don't know how, how long they're going to last. And uh, and things change constantly, and they got to be looking over their shoulder all the time. they got to be uh, questioning themselves if they should trust this person or the other person. I think that's, that's a very complex lifestyle that not a lot of people would like to go into. I mean, it, it may sound fascinating, the idea of it, because, you know, we have stories about them. But in reality, there's, there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of fear in, in going into these things.
1: I asked Alberto Seni. Did he think life imitates art as depicted in Netflix crime drama, Narcos Mexico? Here's what he told me.
0: Did You've got to take in consideration this is an actual TV show. There's an entertainment piece of it that it has, to have, you know, it has to be entertaining for people to sit down and watch 10 hours of television. There's a lot of freedom that have to be taken in order to make those lives interesting or more interesting in order to make the stories grow better and go and, and move forward. But these particular stories are based on historic events. So there's a lot of the elements that are told in the story in the show that are real. That are uh, taken from historic uh, archives or from news or from people that have lived through them.
3: So they happened in real life what we see, some of the events.
0: A lot of the, the events, yes, they did.
3: Tell us more about yourself, your story, career, your fascinating background from Mexico to L.A. What took you to L.A. from Mexico originally? I he was hosting a TV show down in Mexico City,
0: and uh, I interviewed an actor that I admire very much, whose name is Brad Doris And he's one of those actors that you know you've seen him if you see his face. You may not know his name, but he's been in everything. And he's so incredible that every time he does a character he just disappears in, in that person. So I met him and I interviewed him for, for the show and he told me about he told me about a, the Meisner technique, which is a, a technique that is uh, given in the United States that belonged to Sandy Meisner who was a New Yorker from started in the nineteen twenties and developed this whole technique. And it was incredible the way he spoke about it. It was so passionate and so so accurate and articulate and and uh, it was just it was just fascinating seeing someone that I admire so much talking that deeply about something that he did and he trained so many years ago and so I decided to to come get the technique and I basically I I quit my job I sold everything I had I broke up with my girlfriend and uh, I came to the states to to learn that was the first step of coming should be here and this is one of the things that was the most challenging for me at the beginning when I first moved to Los Angeles. I did not speak English. I knew English because I learned a little bit of grammar in school but I never heard it and I never spoke it. I mean I never heard it on a daily basis to to have a conversation. Obviously I saw movies and and things like that but when I first came here it was very disturbing to me. It was was very... um, I was very afraid of not being able to get and grasp the entire information that I wanted to get through the technique because I didn't speak the language. And uh, I had to commit myself to not speaking a single word in Spanish and just go into it, dive into it and do the entire immersion experience. And uh, this is the result, the way I speak now. It's been years in the
1: making. Well, we had a right old laugh when I asked Alberto if he was discovered as a talented actor. (laughs) <laughs> that is
0: such a funny word. Just being discovered. I don't think that happens anymore. I don't <laughs> think that happened in the fifties. <laughs> <laughs> <Like>, no, it's not in person, and that's what I want to put you in. Go. <laughs> uh,
3: D- don't, no, don't, I, be, don't be modest.
0: Uh, I, uh, I, I have been working for a long time now, and um, for this particular show, I auditioned seven times. I auditioned since season one, and I, I have auditioned for. Guest stars, co-stars, leading roles, and and anything you can imagine throughout these seven these five years. And um, eventually, uh, the last time I went in for the audition, I was I was a little hesitant of going in because I thought it was going to be like this. It was going to be the same as every other single time. And I was like, well, should I go in? Should I not go in? And then I talked to myself, and I was like, hold on a second. I mean, you have the opportunity to go into a room. To do the thing you love to do, and you're gonna have an audience that cannot leave the room because they haven't seen you. Enjoy it, prepare it, go and enjoy it. And I said, you know what? That's what I'm going to do. And so I did. And I went into the room and I did the audition. And um, I, I, obviously they tell you sometimes to, to uh, do some changes so they know that you that you can. Um, Take direction, and, and or oh, they just want to see a different take or whatever. And so I did that, and then I left the room. And then a day goes by, and I don't hear anything. Uh, two days, nothing. Three, five, a week, nothing. I didn't hear anything at all. And I was like, well, you know, it was it was another one. It's okay, but I got to enjoy the process. And then a month goes by, and I get a phone call, and uh, it's a phone call saying, "Listen, uh, we love what you did." to invite you to be a serious regular on the show of Narcos. And I lost it. It was fascinating. It was one of the best phone calls I've ever had in a long, long time. And uh, and then from then on, you know, it's, uh, it's
1: history. Yes, by all accounts, Alberto's was a very happy childhood, fun, peaceful and normal. There was certainly no signs of violence or drug cartels Anywhere in his sights? Well, I come from a family of doctors. My dad
0: was a gynecologist. My mom was a chemist. And uh, it's, uh, we lived in kind of the suburbs of Monterey. So I grew up uh, middle class, middle upper class, well educated. I had a lot of opportunities. And um, the, the thing about where I'm from is that people get married very young. Like if you say 22, 23, you already got married and you're starting a family. And uh, I was never kind of part of that ideology. I just I wanted to do other things. I wanted to explore the world. I wanted to create things. I wanted to invent things. And when I was a kid, I wanted to be an inventor. And then obviously I went into uh, music and I went to into the arts and my family was like, they were always very supportive. Always, 100%. That said, they also wanted me to pursue another career that in case this didn't pan out, that I have something solid to rely on. So since I really liked uh, in- to invent things, and I wanted to, uh, I liked electronics, and I wanted to uh, see what was inside um, mechanical things, and um, I used to grab my dad's car stereos and just rip them apart and- to see what was inside and how things worked. And then the thing is, I, I could never put them back together. <laughs>
3: you know, obviously, he, was, he wasn't very happy
0: about it. You know? he, he was like, all right, well, I'll just let him, you
3: know. But well, you, you could, you could, in your spare time, if you have any spare time now, you could still go back and try to put them back together.
0: Yeah, exactly.
3: So, <laughs> yeah, so I guess because I
0: couldn't put them back together, I wanted to, to study something that was that was kind of in that direction. So, I actually have a degree in engineering and electronics. So it was it was like a combination of all these things. And in the process of me going to school and getting a degree and all of this, I started actually singing and dancing and I worked in a theme park and then I, uh, I had my own bands and then I got invited to a musical theater and then I fell in love with acting and then I got a scholarship for acting and then it just, it was a snowball event events that that led me to where I am today. In my childhood, even though we could hear stories about the drug trade and the narcos and all these people, we never saw it. I didn't grow up in danger. There was not there was an ever, oh yeah, somebody died across the street, or somebody uh, was uh, done whatever, or somebody exploded, or anything like that. That was not a thing that I grew up in. my My childhood was very peaceful, was very fun. We would. Play on the streets, we would, uh, you know, grab our bikes or play football or soccer or whatever, whatever, whatever we wanted to do as children, we did it. It was very safe. It was a safe, beautiful environment to grow up in. Um, all of these things happened many, many years after, and, and the degree that you actually got to see it as a civilian, quote unquote, that the, all of these people were around you and we're doing these things, in, in my childhood, that was not a thing. We, you could hear stories and maybe like, oh yeah, that's uh, related to that other person. Like, oh, okay, well, you know, it makes no difference to me because I don't know who they are. And they're, they're, I mean, the people that I know are good people. course at least
1: that's what you thought. Now, countries like Mexico are often, fairly or unfairly, described as part of the third world, underdeveloped with economic struggles. Listening to Alberto, I'm beginning to wonder: Do those kind of labels serve any useful purpose? You have to consider this. If you talk about
0: social issues and economical issues, even in the in the so-called first world countries, they exist. You know, you even at, here in Los Angeles, you have the most incredible, huge uh, houses and mansions. In the world, and you also have the slums uh, and, and a lot of homelessness. Food, and then there's a lot of homelessness, which is one of the things that I'm that I'm working with. And that so it, it's not subjected to where it is. It's 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 everywhere. You know, it's it's not because you cross the border. Oh no, it makes is dangerous and has all these bad things. That's that's not a reality. The reality is there's a million Americans. Mm-hmm. because it's safe and because it's fun and you have a cosmopolitan city that offers you incredible things and it's the same everywhere you go you go to beaches and you go to other
3: historical towns And I mean it's, it's not that it's Is it time to get rid of that description of countries in Latin America or many countries as third world countries is that a fair way to characterize them so? I don't know <laughs> you're asking me about something that it's like the, the, the terms
0: first world or third world and their economical terms that I I'm, I'm yet to grasp why exist and and what's the purpose of them and and like why why are we using them in the first place I think uh each country has something incredible and and the countries go up and down I mean the United States had civil wars had independence wars and they had uh, trade wars and the, I mean Every country has their own Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Some, some countries suddenly are rising up and they're creating incredible opportunities for themselves in the world, and then if something happens and they, they go down and then they build up again. I think it's 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 the same for everybody. One of the things that, I, that differentiates probably the, the quote-unquote first, first world countries to the third world countries is. Countries And they aspire to be like the idea of what the United States is. And don't get me wrong, I, I live in Los Angeles, I live in the United States, I love the US. have incredible things, but I also love Mexico. And I also love Europe. And I also love other many different places that are phenomenal that
1: are
3: also having issues. And
1: they have amazing things to offer. After the break, we listen to Alberto talking about his volunteer service. Homeward L.A. in Los Angeles. Amazing.
4: Why are 20 veterans a day taking their own lives? In this new gripping, brutally honest memoir, Iraq War veteran Tom Voss reveals the answer and an unexpected solution to the veteran suicide epidemic. Driven to the brink of suicide by the moral injury of war, Voss walked 2,700 miles across America in search of healing. What he found was something medication and talk therapy couldn't give him, relief from the guilt, shame, and sorrow that had been torturing him for years, a relief that came in the most unexpected form meditation, and sacred breathing techniques that shattered his understanding of war and himself. Dr. David Shulkin, 9th Secretary of the VA, says Where War Ends will inspire countless others, leaving them with a sense of purpose and hope. Brian Kinsella of Stop Soldier Suicide calls Where War Ends a captivating personal journey written with a compelling urgency. For veterans, their families, and anyone suffering from trauma, Where War Ends offers an antidote to the moral injury epidemic. Get your copy today on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, IndieBound or ask for it at your favourite library or independent bookstore.
1: And here's Alberto Seni, who stars in the Netflix crime drama Narcos Mexico Season 2 on his incredible service for Homeward LA in Los Angeles. Uh, Homeward LA
0: is an an organisation that what they do is exactly what you just said. We put up shows and they're based on people that actually lived on the streets and they then now are not living on the streets. And they tell the stories of who they are and, and how they lived through that. And the whole point of, of what we're doing is, is to show that the people that live on the streets are human beings and they either made uh, wrong financial decisions or they just had a, a very particular life situation that just propelled them to go into that lifestyle. or or lack of, what we did is set up a whole bunch of shows. We had 50 teams, 50 different teams, which was uh, 50 directors and each director had to work with 10 different actors. So we were about 500 people working on these shows and in the course of a week, we raised $130,000 for the Midnight Mission, which is a foundation that helps people that are homeless and they feed them and they clothe them and they find them jobs and uh, housing and you know opportunities. Yeah, I think I think it's important to to give back to the community. One of the things I actually was having this conversation the other day and one of the things that I that I discovered that I wasn't doing was giving back to the place I call home. And I, I call Los Angeles my home. And I I didn't know what what it was that I that I wanted to do but I knew I wanted to give back to the community and try to figure out ways to empower people to do what they want to do with their lives and uh this opportunity came and then it was just it was just perfect it was, it's it is what i do it it doesn't take me away from what i can give to people which is all this creative process i actually directed this show um i was an acting in it and then i started discovering all of these people that are doing incredible things and creating opportunities for other people and opening up and and uh, last year, uh, last December, I got the opportunity to go to the LA mission and I fed the homeless again. And the whole idea right now is I'm, uh, I'm talking to Jason Lesnar, which is the, the person running Homeward LA. And we want to, uh, or at least what I'm proposing is how to figure out a way to empower people to start doing a self-sustaining lifestyle. And, and we're talking about not only individuals but also low-income communities how to start creating that opportunity for themselves so, so they don't have to rely on, on government grants or people or, or whomever because at the end of the day if you are a community you come together and you support yourself then you have more power to move forward
3: in, in living the life that you want to live. So it's, it's a work in progress, but that's the whole idea. Without getting into a lot of details about that, what, what would be some of the ideas? Cooperatives, sustainable, food production, uh, financial empowerment? Yeah, it's all of that. All of those things you just said. Yeah, I think what, one of the things that we forget is that if we come together as a community supporting local businesses and creating food opportunities, and, and maybe
0: figuring out how to start changing that mindset that I'm I'm disempowered, basically transforming it into I have the power of my own self, then you start seeing opportunities, you start seeing possibilities, you start seeing all the other things that you haven't been able to see in the, in the time that you have been there because nobody has taught you that. You know, if you, it's like uh, it's like asking you to think about a new color. You know, how how do you think about a new color? That's not in your spectrum of thought. If those are things that you don't know, that you don't know. But what if you started figuring out those things? What if you started thinking? Oh, I, I I would have never thought about this thing, but now that you have brought it up, now I can think about how I can empower myself and my children. And I and if I I empower my children, maybe we can move forward into doing something. That it's better for all of us and our neighbors and our community because we can. Well, a lot of, uh, a lot of famous actors have been on the, on the shows. The, the uh, two years ago, which was the show that I that I made, yeah, we had a lot of Hollywood actors. I can I can remember the names of particular people right now, but we were so many that uh, it, it, at the end of the day, Hollywood does come together, and not as a, as an institution of Hollywood. I think this is this is the thing. If, when you say Hollywood, the idea is like there's a block of people that either they do things that they don't, and I think it's that simplifying the, the spectrum of things of what people want to do, what it comes from their hearts, and what they're willing to, to, to do for the others and the rest of the world. So when you say Hollywood, yeah, there's a lot of famous people that came and did shows and they raised money and we, we got some of that. If they're sharing content and other things, I, I don't know, maybe they probably were. If you talk about Hollywood per se, like all of the media and all of these, you know, some did, some didn't. and It's just, it, it becomes a complex question. But I think, at the end of the day, the people that came did what they could and uh, and we raised the amount of money we did and we helped the amount of people we did.
3: Alberto, you were once asked, what do you consider beautiful and why? And you answered, life. Life, because life
0: is full of <laughs> everything. Life mm-hmm. is full of moments. Life is full of... Well, I mean, think about this. If you don't have life, then th- there's nothing, you know? If you don't have if you're not alive and we can go into the, the philosophical discussion here but if you if you don't have life in, in yourself in your body then you don't have thoughts and you don't have perception of things you don't have love you don't have anything you know I, again if you go into philosophical you can go into a whole different realm of conversation but but life has so many beautiful things and life is what you make life to be we're not we don't have consequence of third parties action we can live the life we want to live based on our own actions and our own decisions and choices and if you choose to live your life the best way possible then that's the best life you're gonna live. If you choose to focus your life in all the bad things that may happen to you, and, and translate everything as negative, that's the life you're gonna live. It's not it's not only positivity, it's the perception of how things happen to you based on the on um, the decisions you have made. For example, if you have I can I can give you this. You're walking into a store and somebody uh is about to cross the, the door with you and they let the door go and they don't actually open it for you. You can take that as an aggression. You can take that as a personal attack. You can take that as a, as a negative thing that just happened in your life. Or you can take it as, well that person wasn't present to me. That person had something else that has nothing to do with me. It makes, it has no connection to me directly. So why would I feel aggravated by something that is not about me? And then the perception of things is so that instead of going through your life suffering your life because of things that have nothing to do with you but that you take them to be personal versus the version of your life where you choose the things that make you have the life that you want and don't take the ones that have no connection to you whatsoever
3: and don't make it personal,
0: then how do you think your life is going to be?
1: What other
3: challenges are there out there for you, Alberto?
0: Other challenges? Oh, man. Well... You know, having a continuity of things is always challenging. It's not impossible, and if you put the time and effort and dedication to it, you know, things, things move forward. And if they're not moving forward, you can actually make them move forward by doing, creating, starting, propelling, the things that you want. I guess the challenges are still mostly within myself. I'm still getting to know myself. I'm still getting to, to live the life that I want. I'm still making those choices that I was talking about before on how to take everything that happens in my life as a,
1: as a something that is, that is beautiful. So let's try to get the inside track on another season of Narcos Mexico. Should we expect season three? Ah, uh, that's a
3: good question. I cannot answer. <laughs> well, based on the reaction to the second season, it's getting good reviews. Yeah. Audiences like it. The numbers seem pretty strong. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's a show that has been has uh, been active for a few years now. This is the fifth season overall, and people love it. I'm guessing they're going to take that into consideration.
1: And here's what Alberto Seni has to say about his own character as it is stitched and woven into the fine fabric and action of Narcos Mexico season two. I mean,
0: the show's been out already for a couple of weeks, so the people that have seen it, they know everything that happens in the season. I can tell you this, the whole trajectory of the DA in this entire season is so different from every other season. Now the DA is more hands-on. We're out in the field. We're creating, uh, wreaking havoc everywhere we go. We're shooting guns. We're taking people. We're doing all these extraordinary, exciting things, which uh, in last season, There was only one or two people that may have done something like that. Now, the entire team is going out there and just having a lot of fun. So it's very exciting.
3: I I assume you have to be in good physical shape for some of these scenes.
0: Oh, yeah. We have to run a lot. And we have to shoot guns. And we have to do all sorts of things. So, yeah.
3: So do you go to the gym a lot?
0: I uh, I did. (laughs) During the time I was down there, I did. Uh, Jesse Garcia, which is also one of the DAs, he is uh, kind of a, a fanatic uh, exercise, and so he was training me, he was teaching me, and, and yeah, he, he basically put me back in
3: shape. So what are you doing these days? You taking a uh, hiatus? Uh,
0: every day is different, but I'm, uh, I'm developing actually a uh, crowdfunding social media platform that we're going to be launching later this year, and the whole point of that is to start... In- Empowering people to live the life they want through the innovation of whatever it is their field in that they want to do. That's that's one of the things that I'm doing every single day because I need to develop the business plan in numbers and, and see how we're going to be launching, who we're going to be talking to. Also, I I'm going to auditions. I'm talking to people. I have a film that we may be doing in the middle of this year that I'm going to be starting in, which is a horror film and. Um, we're putting it together. I'm also, I also own a production company down in Mexico City and we're probably going to be shooting down there with my company. And it's just, yeah, it's a, it's a revolution of things happening at the same time.
3: Well, life nice is stuff. certainly beautiful for you. Good luck on all your ventures and I hope we catch up again soon for another interview and we will stay tuned to Narcos Mexico. Absolutely.
2: Thank you very much for your time, John. Thank Good you, time. Alberto. You've been listening to Life on Planet Earth with John Aiden Byrne. To reach the host or learn about advertising or sponsorship opportunities, call 973-664-9460 in the U.S. or email burndesk at gmail.com. That's 973-664-9460 in the US, or email burndesk at gmail.com. 973 664 Nine four six zero in the U.S. or email burndesk at gmail.com.